I had, you'd be saying, what is he doing up there? It's pretty much what I've been saying for the last week. And with VBS and just many other things, there is just not a lot of time to get ready for this. I'm just setting the stage for how desperately you should be praying to the Holy Spirit to help us right now, because apart from Him, I got nothing. And you're not going to have anything to sift in mind over unless the Holy Spirit is just making something bright and clear to you. So let's pray, asking for His help right now. Holy Spirit, dear counselor, comforter, friend, We are so grateful that you are present with us, that our Lord Jesus gave you to us as the fulfillment of his promise that he would be with us to the very end of the age. And so, faithful friend, we ask you right now to be with me as I seek to preach a word that is useful and that is clear, that is edifying and that gives you glory, O God. Apart from your work, I can do no good thing. And this week just makes it that much more abundantly clear. And be working in the hearts of my brothers and sisters here, the oldest to the youngest, so that they can pay attention and to hear your word in the midst of all of mine, the word that you wish to feed them with and to bless them with and to reveal yourself to them with. We thank you, Spirit. We know that you delight to answer such prayers because they put our Savior Jesus in the spotlight. He is the one we want to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Passage today comes to us from the book of Matthew, Gospel of Jesus Christ according to Matthew, chapter 6, verse 9, verses 9 through 13. They'll be very familiar to you. And you have it on the back of your uh, sermon outline and as a reflection. That's how little time I had this week. So, a little bit of feedback. Can we just notch it down? Pray then like this. That's what our Lord Jesus said to his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some translations say the evil one, because in the ancient Greek, there's a the, there's an article in front of evil. So this is the first sermon in our summer series, Encountering Christ in Personal Worship. And in order to just preserve his assistant pastor, our senior pastor, John, just uh, in his kindness and wisdom, asked me to preach on something that I've become very familiar with over the last three years to take a little bit of the pressure off. The first message, then, on this series, Encountering Christ in Personal Worship, is on prayer. And so you'll see from the title, it is The Five Targets of Prayer. Now, I just want to start by saying that Randy Pope's sermon series is where I got the title of this sermon, the passages for this sermon, and all the content for this sermon. And so if you are challenged by this message and want more, just please come speak with me and I will loan those sermons to you. 
Martin Lloyd-Jones said that prayer is the highest activity of the human heart and the ultimate test of its true condition. The highest activity of the human heart and the ultimate test of its true condition. So I have to ask, is that how you come to prayer? Thinking and realizing that. How satisfied, you are you, how satisfied are you with your prayer life? And I'm not just speaking quantity, because people will usually say they wish they prayed more. But I'm also talking about the quality of your prayer life. Many of you will say you wish the quality and depth of your prayer life were better, and that you would actually pray more if you found that satisfaction. Well, my next question then is, have you ever prepared for prayer? You might think, well, yes, I I clear my head and calm my thoughts before I pray. But a chef doesn't clear his or her head before cooking and say, all right, I'm ready for what I'm going to make now, nor an athlete before exercising or competing. There are preparations and steps to consider, ingredients and tools and recipes and events. You know, Randy Pope actually loves saying it this way, thinking about Timmy Louie right here in his archery. He doesn't, Timmy doesn't fire an, ar- an arrow at a, t- at a target, and then wherever it lands, draws, draw a circle around where it lands and say, I hit my target. You don't, right? I mean, because that's just weird. So, you know, you aim at a target. You focus on that target. You prepare yourself to hit that target, letting it fill your vision, however far away it is, and then you draw back and then release. And so also in prayer, we have targets to shoot for. And it's Jesus who teaches us these targets. In fact, Robert Murray McShane, great Scottish preacher, says it this way, that a great part of my time is spent in getting my heart in tune for prayer. It is the link that connects earth with heaven. That this highest human activity, the ultimate test of our condition that Jones is talking about, what Jones is talking about, if we're going to do it right, then we have to prepare ourselves for it. And it is Jesus who teaches us how to do this. Now, many of you, like me, uh, were taught the Billy Graham way of praying. Anyone remember, like, the, the four letters? A-C-T-S, ACTS? No, really? I mean, no. all right, Pomeroy, he's got me. You've got my back. I appreciate you and love you, brother. All right? So ACTS stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. But he only ever meant it as a starter to teach people who didn't know how to pray, all right, well, at least start this way. And he was getting that from the same place that the Westminster Confessors were getting it from, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gave us targets. You see, when he gave this prayer, the disciples in a different version, in a different gospel asked, "Uh, Lord, teach us how to pray. And then Jesus gives this. Now, it was not his intention to just give us these words as if it would be a mantra, Those of you coming out of a Catholic background might have said more Our Fathers than you've said I love you in your life, especially if you were bad. (laughs) I can see some of you being bad. So, you know, just 
But that's not. It's not supposed to be something repeated the way that Hare Krishnas repeat their annoying chant. They have to say it 10,000 times a day in order to rack up a good day. All right, if you've ever wondered why they're so repetitious. Jesus was teaching us a paradigm of prayer. These are the things that you need to think about. Now, these five targets, I'm going to say that there are two other things that we have to think about as we think through these five targets. And they're the brackets of the prayer. Starts our Father and end with, for us, in Jesus' name. That in prayer, we are reminded that God is our Father. I love saying this. Jesus Christ could have very well said, my Father in heaven, and just totally hosed the rest of us. Because totally accurate statement. Jesus the Son does have the Father as his Father. But instead of saying my Father, he says our Father, anticipating what he would do on the cross. That in his death, he would make of us brothers and sisters. And of his Father, our Father. And so prayer is meant to be that time that we are reminded of the relationship we have with our God. That the Christian's name for God is Father, J.I. Packer. And then we end it saying, in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. Not as if we're doing some secret way of getting what we want. I'm going to ask for this, 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 and this. And then, in Jesus' name is just the nice bow that makes sure that God's going to listen and give us what we want. No, that is not what happens. We pray in Jesus' name. The way, that, the way that a herald comes in the name of the king, saying only the things that the king wants, the king desires, the king's words. And so when we pray in Jesus' name, what we are saying, we are certifying, Lord Jesus, I think you would be happy to put your name on this one. And so each of the targets comes with an understanding we're praying to our Father who loves us and sent His Son for us. And we are praying in the name of Jesus, our Savior, saying, I want to be like Jesus. I want my words to be like Jesus's. I want my desires to be like Jesus's. Now, last year we did a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. So I'm, I'm not going to frighten you by saying that we're going to rehash all of that because we took two months to do that. I'm going to take about the next 10 minutes to do this part, and then I'm going to show you just what this looks like as well. So, but looking at it, at this, looking at it from this perspective, that prayer reinforces and reminds us of our relationship with our Father in heaven and the one who came to set us all free, His Son, Jesus Christ. We understand why Robert Murray McShane also says, a man is, is what he is on his knees before God and nothing more. Because here, in prayer, we are reminded, we recognize that our existence is as, not just as God's creatures, but as his children because of what Jesus Christ has done. That's what every time we pray has the potential to do. So let's get into this. Target number one, God's honor. Acknowledging his worth, glory, and majesty. That's what we're saying with our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. We're saying, God, you rock. You are amazing. You are awesome. 
And here, I'm going to say some awesome things about you to be reminded, but to also say, I love you for this. Now, sometimes when, I mean, when you're children, you have great imagination, so it just takes one second to think about something to say that God is awesome about. As we get older, it gets a little bit tougher, it seems. Maybe it rebounds. Maybe I'm on the low end of that bell curve, and now I'll get to pick up, but you know, I'm not seeing any new intelligence coming. So, for the rest of us, my recommendation is just turn to Psalms, the book of Psalms, and just turn to any one of them, and they just start going in order. I'm on Psalm 116, verse 1 right now which says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. So I'm going to write down on this. So just, this is a preparation sheet right here. That's what the outline is for you. In fact, if you like it, we'll send you the PDF so that you can just print out as many as you want. Heck, I'll even go so far as to say, if you're a member of this church, we will keep you in these for life if you want. So I'm not sure if the elders have sanctioned that I should do that. But Psalm 116 verse 1 And what does it say? I love the Lord because he has heard my voice. You know, I have to think how insignificant I am and that he hears me. Amongst all the billions of people on the planet, just that his attention could be so focused that he would hear my voice. That is what I'm going to praise him for when I get to target one in my prayer. So I just jotted down insignificant, attention, all right? And this, when you think about what Jesus did for us there, our Father, hallowed be your name, this beginning just kind of snaps us into focus. Who is it that we're praying to? It's our Father. But He is our awesome, amazing Father. You know, my Korean speaking ability is really terrible. You're supposed to have a polite voice and a casual voice. I never learned the polite voice, so I only have the casual voice. And so when I talk to my parents, I talk like I'm some three-year-old kid talking to other three-year-old kids. Really disrespectful, all right? And so just other Koreans kind of smack me, you know, just on my head for this. This is why I'll never visit Korea, ever. (laughs) But the Lord Jesus reminds us He is higher than we are. He is greater than we are. He is so different than we are, and yet He is our Father. And so we start the prayer being reminded of that so that we do not come too casually. Again, the Chronicles of Narnia, Jesus is depicted as a lion. And Lucy asks to the beavers, is He safe? And the beavers go, He's not safe, He's a lion, but He's good. And so that is what we are reminded of here in the first target. On to our second target, God's kingdom, acknowledging his priority in the world and in your life. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are we praying for when we pray this? The remembrance that this is God's kingdom. And what is a kingdom? Again, Randy Pope says it this way, that the kingdom of God is the reign of Christ, the king, in the lives of his kingdom people, which grows extensively and intensively. The reign of Christ, the king. That is what we are asking for in our hearts and also in the world. In extensive ways. We want more to know. In fact, we know that Jesus Christ is not coming again until every person 
Every elect person has heard and come to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. And so therein, Jesus Christ, in his prayer, is giving us motivation that this is a missional prayer. And so I'm thinking of Haiti and the team that's going, that God blessed their work. And I'm thinking of VBS, that it wasn't just fun, but that it was evangelistic and that seeds were planted. But I also had a lot of conversations this week about people because of the Supreme Court decision about gay marriage now being the law of the land. And when you think about it this way, that it is about the kingdom of God, you know, we Christians have to suppress the ick factor and say, man, what's happening to my country? All right? I am just offended that this would be allowed because we set up distance. We set up walls and barriers, and we say that we don't want to, anything to do with all of this. Now, the law of the Lord is true and good. And what he calls sin, we must declare sin. But praying for the kingdom of God, I think, also looks like, Lord, would our church, would my life, would our church, and would churches and organizations in this country be so loving that we open up doors and barriers so that people will come to experience the love of Jesus Christ and want to obey His will. Instead of placing all our eggs in the policy and the politics basket. So just, so I've got that, gay marriage written down and uh, the church's heart. And so here, you can also be praying for the people. And you, if you don't have someone that you're actively praying for to encounter and to meet and to know and come to salvation in Jesus Christ, what are you doing? And so have that person. I got a person. I'm not going to embarrass that person just in case this person ever comes to listen to an old sermon. So, you know, just, but God knows his name. And so we pray for God's kingdom to come when we pray for the salvation of non-kingdom people and for the growth of God's church. And we pray for God's will to be done when we pray for His will to be known. We want His will to be known, but not just known, also believed and obeyed. And so that's what we pray when we pray, kingdom come, thy will be done. And now we go to target three, God's provision. Acknowledging his trustworthiness, give us this day our daily bread. Now this, this prayer, along with all prayers, come with conditions. Pray with a pure heart in accordance with God's will and in faith. James 4, 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. And so your motives have to be right. Not that there's ever any such thing as a pure, completely pure motive. We are sinners down to our core, but that's what we're looking for. We want to pray a prayer that Jesus would be happy to pray on our behalf. And so with pure heart and in accordance with God's will, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests in which we have asked from him. And so provision. And this is a great time in prayer to not just pray for the things that you need, but also prayer of thanksgiving 
for things that God has given. And I can already think of like just safety this week at VBS, all right, no concussions, all right, so as a pastor, I just, I don't know, concussions, I don't just loom large. Um, And also this week, Ethan, so just had massive dental work, he had to be knocked out, pulled under general anesthesia, it was miserable. I had to like hold him down with a figure four on my legs, and then I had half Nelson in his head with his head next to mine to get the mask on his face. And I was inhaling, forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Why does he say that? Because if you are holding on and not forgiving sins against you, what is that saying about the value that you place on the forgiveness the Father has given you in his Son's blood? You're saying, I would rather hold on to this little mealy-mouthed offense than to chuck it away and say, I am forgiven. That's what I want, and that's what I will give. And so, you know, just my, the thing that I want help with and the forgiveness for, because I see it coming already. When a pastor is exhausted, it's like Elijah after the great victory on Mount Carmel against all the Baal worshipers. It's like, yay, win! But then someone as insignificant as Jezebel just makes life tough on you, and then you think, oh, life stinks, and just uh, let me die, Lord, because everyone else has died, so just let me die. It's kind of like that after like just a week of lots of good things that have happened. And this is what, you know, just not just pastors, but all of you, have to be on alert for because I get apathetic and distant and I just want to be left alone and I get short with others and yesterday was prob- probably already like that some so we had a Kim's family had a huge family reunion and wow lots of people so and it was wonderful but still I found myself wanting to just go away for some time and just catch myself so all right, so there's and so many more sins. I'm not going to bore you with mine. You've got your own to deal with. Target five, God's power, acknowledging your dependence. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is one that we need to remember. I love that line from the movie, The Usual Suspects. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making the world believe that he didn't exist. And Christians, we have to believe that Satan and his forces are working. And in some sense, that should make us sober. It should not make us fearful, but it should make us sober. That there is an enemy waiting to devour us. But we have the one, the faithful shepherd who leads us and guides us and has rescued us and will not let us go. We have 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We have 1 John 4, 4, which says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And we have Revelation 12, 10. 
says, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God day and night. This is what we think of when we see the darkness of Islam in so many other parts of the world, and yet we do not fear. When just the uh, political movements and views and ideology seem to be against us, this is why we do not fear. And even when we struggle, again, this is why we do not fear, because it is God himself who leads us not into temptation, we do that ourselves, but who leads us out and does not leave us in. He has not, he will not ever abandon us or forsake us. All right. So, so I've got my five targets. If I hadn't been explaining to this to you, it would have taken me all of five minutes, maybe less. Oh, I wanted to give thanks to God for the Kangs this week. All right. And so, having said all that, now you're going to see me pray this. Now, praying on your knees, posture, the posture of your prayer makes a difference. It's true. But let it be a deliberate posture. When I pray with my kids at night, I pray hugging them in bed because I want my children to know as we pray to our Heavenly Father, just I want them to get a lesson from the embrace of their earthly father, all right? Or when I pray with my wife, we often do it hugging as well. In fact, I might, I'm a prayer hugger, so, but it's a deliberate choice, and so... But right here, because I think it's instructive, let me pray before you on my knees. And so this would be a prayer mostly, I'm not really thinking about you, but I pray that you will pray it and uh, along with just your own heart along with me. You can look at me if you want and just get whatever you get out of that, but you can also close your eyes. Great Father in heaven, come to you this morning so thankful and amazed at who you are. That just like one, Psalm 116 said, you hear my voice. And how is it that you hear my voice amidst all the myriad voices and all the voices of all the things that require your attention, and yet you lavish it on me? You are to be praised. You are amazing. And I give you glory. And I pray right now, just for your kingdom, I want to see your kingdom alive and in me and in my church and among my family and my friends, and I want to see your kingdom, your church on the move in this world. Lord, be with Tay and all the missionaries as they go to Haiti this week. Be with them in their health, be with them in safety, let the flights and the logistics all work out, but also be with them in their hearts, unless they are being overflowed with your spirit. They don't have anything to give to others. And so let that be the biggest thing that I pray for them so that it is Christ that they're sharing, 
because they certainly don't know Creole or French, so they're going to have to rely on just the Holy Spirit just giving something that words just don't need to explain. And so, Lord, be with them as they are there, as your missionaries and evangelists. And, Lord, we thank you. I thank you for VBS, that it was fun. The kids all universally say that it was fun, but, Lord, let it have planted seeds. Let the seeds have been planted so that they will come to church on Sunday with their parents even, remembering that it was such fun here. When they drive past our church in Oyster Bay, they want to say, hey, mommy, daddy, let's go to church on Sunday. That guy said that it was, they have a wonderful time learning about Jesus, and we had a great time at VBS. Let it be something organic like that, Lord, and let the children come to know Jesus Christ in a saving way. And Lord, just lots of people, Christians and non-Christians, were just willing to talk with me about politics and Supreme Court decisions and everything else this week. And Lord, I trust that it's in your hands. And I pray that our elected officials will represent their people, but also just uphold the law of the land and recognize that we were built and founded on certain principles, your principles that were laid out. I pray that we will see a revival even in the halls of just the Congress and the White House and the Supreme Court. But, Lord, that's not where I'm putting my hope. Lord, let your church be the one who shows kindness that leads people to repentance. People who are far from you, let them see like the Samaritan woman, like the adulterous woman, like the tax collectors, like Zacchaeus, like all of these people who are blown away by the kindness of Jesus Christ even as he did not compromise, even as he said, go and sin no more. Lord, let your church, let me be one who shows the kindness and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ before it is deserved, showing again and again, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, thank you for what you have provided. You provided safety at VBS, just only minor cuts and scrapes. You provided volunteers, and Lord, you know how blessed I was by seeing just the entire Kang family here, Bernie and Jeannie, laboring together as husband and wife, leading the second graders. What an example that they showed to the children. Lord, I pray that you will lift up more husbands and wives who have this as a priority and will sacrificially give vacation time even. And thank you for the children between Wesley and Zachary and Luke. They just all parted and separated from their parents and had a fantastic time. Lord, thank you that the children grow. Oh, yeah, and just Lexi and Kylie and Maya weren't annoying either. So just that they were able to, in letting go of the apron strings, enjoy the fullness of what was offered for them so that they could seriously just take in Jesus. Now, you know, Lord, how much I feared for Ethan, just especially who, just anesthesia. I mean, thank you for it, but it's so scary. And just writing, signing those releases. You might not wake up. Lord, just thank you that Ethan did wake up. Thank you that the dentist was able to get everything done in one hour. Thank you for the funds to pay for this. I don't know where it would have come from like five or six years ago, but you have just given to us, provided for us and given me more and more reason to trust you. 
thank you. And thank you for providing a friend for Abby in swim practice. That's there with Zoe, whose name means life. (laughs) That's so awesome. So that they can encourage each other and remind each other that they, they have a fellowship that is beyond just swim strokes and times. Thank you for your forgiveness, and you know how much I need it. Just the times that I just go away because I don't want to be bothered by people. And I know that you don't mean for me to be an energizer bunny constantly just pouring out, but you intend that I fill myself up at your well, at the living water. And so what was I doing wrong this past week or two where I was not being charged up? I know I didn't spend enough time in your word and in prayer like I am right now. Forgive me, Lord, for that. And forgive me for the shortness that I showed to my wife, who's just given so much this week and the last two weeks. And help me turn from that and just resist my urges to just be short and tired and just distant and silent. And to give to her the conversation that I know that she wants and that we both need, not having had time for it. And the attention that my kids crave, especially as I've had to show attention to so many others. Forgive me for these sins of omission along with my sins of commission. And I acknowledge your power in my life and in your church and in the world. Thank you that you have not left us forlorn, that we are not left to fend for ourselves, that though enemies are against us from outside and from inside, yet you have given to us the Holy Spirit who is just the one who holds us and will not let us go, that there are two kingdoms in this world right now, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of our God, you, our God, and of your Christ. And you, I proclaim. Thank you, Father, for hearing me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And thank you, Spirit, for giving me these words and this heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, did anyone clock me? I mean, for uh, sermon length, I mean, don't clock me because you'll only just hurt yourself and me. But prayer time there, what was that? Anyone know? I think it was seven, eight minutes. It wasn't even ten like I thought. But did I encounter Jesus Christ? And did I worship my God? I did. And that is my hope, my fervent prayer for each one of you. If you prayed like that, if you prepared for two minutes and prayed like that for seven or eight, what would your answer be to my first questions? Are you satisfied with your prayer life? I think there would be a whole lot more people saying that they're growing in satisfaction. And more people tapping, scratching at that understanding that Martin Lloyd-Jones gave to us. It's the highest human activity and the ultimate test of our human condition. I pray that you 
Church, come to know how to pray in this way. Let us pray. Father in heaven, again, I thank you. We thank you. You hear our words because you love us more than any earthly father could or mother. You listen and you care. And we know this because of what Jesus Christ has done. He, it is by his work that we can call you our father. Because Jesus took our place and gave us his. And so we pray now and teach us to pray in alignment with your kingdom concerns and to trust you for all provision to come to you in forgiveness and forgiving others and trusting that you are sovereign in control. Equip us every day and help us to equip our children, Father, in this way that Jesus has taught us to pray. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And now please rise and let us sing this song of worship together.